0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts, stocks tracking, interactive charts, and market insights, all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Very good morning, everybody. US President Joe Biden unveils a $2 trillion infrastructure plan and promises to create millions of jobs, but already faces a backlash over the tax hikes needed to pay for it.
1: Not a lot of plan that tinkers around the edges. It's a once-in-a-generation investment in America, unlike anything we've seen or done since we built the interstate highway system and the space race decades ago.
0: U.S. markets round out a strong start to the year with the Dow, Nasdaq, and the S&P all marking their fourth positive quarter in a row.
2: China's post-pandemic recovery shows signs of uh, faltering as the Kaixin manufacturing PMI drops to the lowest level in almost a year. Oil prices just uh, edging higher as OPEC and its allies lower their demand forecast ahead of a key meeting today with the CEO of Aramco telling CNBC he is confident of meeting dividend payout expectations.
3: We are able to uh, declare uh, dividend payment to our investors as uh, planned with no uh, impact on our uh, investors. So the company has, as I say, a strong uh, balance sheets. And France goes
2: back into lockdown as the president, Emmanuel Macron, extends restrictions, closing schools and non-essential shops in a bid to curb the virus resurgence that threatens to overwhelm hospitals. Or continue in order to protect life in the present to so those who are sick to protect life in the future, meaning our children, we all need to make an additional effort in the next few months.
0: of music there to wake you up first thing this morning as you catch up with us here is on, on Sport Sportbox Box this uh, Thursday.
2: Spotify greatest hits.
0: Uh, I think you can find it there. There's a whole uh, collection. I know, it's there is, it's yeah. like one of those uh, tapes that you used to make back in the old days yeah. on your reel to reel.
2: Our viewers don't know. We have a lot of younger viewers as well. They have no idea what the relationship is between Uh an HB pencil and a a TDK cassette tape. They have no idea what the relationship is, have they? No,
0: no. Uh, Well, if we had one, we could explain, but I don't think we do, so we can't. But, I mean, you could go online and find out because everything is available online these days, isn't it? Um, So let's talk about this. It's another once-in-a-generation moment. Uh, This time, President Biden says he's unveiling a $2 trillion infrastructure Infrastructure spending program. It's a bid to overhaul the world's largest economy. The plan includes massive investment for America's highways, for an electric vehicle charging network and more affordable housing. In part, of course, all of this will be paid for with a rise in corporate taxes over the next 15 years. And of course, that's the bit that is sticking in the craw of the uh, corporate community in the United States. Uh, They like the idea of the investment program, but of course, everybody wants somebody else to pay. Now, Biden has singled out Amazon in his defense of the increase, saying the tech giant is one of several major companies that exploits loopholes to lower their federal tax burden. He added that these businesses should be willing to agree to pay more.
1: We're going to raise the corporate tax. It was 35%, which is too high. We all agreed five years ago it should go down to 28%. But they reduced it to 21%. We're going to raise it back to up to 28%. No one should be able to complain about that.
2: I know we've got to move on, but whose job is it? Is it... Is it the regulators' jobs and the tax authorities and the IRS and the administration, the politicians, is it their job to close the uh, federal loopholes or is it Amazon's job to exploit them because um, every company has to maximise shareholder value? Uh, and if you pay these lawyers and you pay these accountants and actuaries a lot of money, mm. it is their job to lower your tax bill for the shareholders, isn't it? So surely, yes. as much as I have great sympathy for the view that international corporations, TNCs, multinational mm. corporations, mm. call them what you like, should pay a fair amount of tax. And I know fair is a very uh, subjective term in many ways. Mm. The fact of the matter is, surely it's up to Mr. Biden's administration to change the rules legally, uh, and then corporations will abide by those rules, surely. I, I, Absolutely again, agree. I, I think they yeah should pay their fair share of taxes. I don't like paying a load more tax than Amazon, but the fact of the matter is it's the politicians fault. Uh,
0: Yes, no, I I don't think you can disagree with that. Uh, The legislative framework is laid out for the IRS to come and knock at the door and claim its share or the government's share of what it thinks it's owed. And um, there's nothing that says that you shouldn't use the available legislation to also lower your obligations.
2: So why has one of the problems been with uh, uh, Mr Guria's move to get an international BEPS organisation, base erosion of profit sharing, a tax agreement, and then a global tech tax as well. Why is it that that certain big nation of the president of behind me, why has they been one of the laggards in signing up to this over the years and agreeing to an international framework? Is it because, I wonder,
0: that America has more technology companies than anybody else and therefore perceives the rest of the world using this as an opportunity to cash in on some of the business that those American tech companies do.
2: And it's not been the greatest piece of wisdom I've ever spoken on air and that you've spoken on air over the last, I don't know, five years minimum, that to say, actually, the reason why they don't want the global one is because they want actually the taxation when it happens to happen at home. Mm. It's obvious. Look at the debt clock in the United States. Look at the amount of money they're spending. Look at the trillions they're spending on other issues. They want that tax revenue when it comes for technology companies. To be at home, they don't want the British with a sales tax, with Europe, the French with a sales tax, Mm. the Italians with a sales tax. They want to be able to take those profits home and then tax them there. I'm sorry, that's not me being um, uh, Machiavellian. It's an obvious fact, and I just wonder sometimes if politicians just couldn't admit to it. Uh, apparently, I've, got, I've just ruined the rundown. Anyway, so okay. U.S. futures. Well, that's early. US. Look,
0: we're only about five minutes in. Have we already? And it's it not up?
2: even an April Fool's. No, uh, unlike that terrible joke that the German, uh, the the group tried to play. But we'll come to that maybe later on. Uh, let's have a look at the treasuries. They are here. here we are. We're off our highs and. 173 on the 10 year, the five year, 0.9413, the 30 year trading at 2.39. Well, speaking to CNBC, the National Economic Council director, Brian Deese, said the current tax system for taxing U.S. firms is broken.
0: Our corporate tax
2: system is not working right now, and the
0: 2017 law didn't uh, address the core issue, which is there is still too many incentives for companies to shift profits, uh, to shift production to overseas uh, jurisdictions. And we are seeing a race to the bottom that we think we need to stop. Uh, Michael Moran joins us, Chief Economist at Daiwa Capital Markets. Michael, very good morning to you. Just setting aside the issue, and if I could just get you to look into the camera rather than your monitor, that will be terrific. Thank you. Uh, Setting aside the issue of the uh, taxation, can I just ask you initially about the infrastructure programme itself and how important that will be to help get those 18 million Americans back to work who are currently claiming benefits?
1: Uh, Actually, in terms of that, I don't think it's going to be a big push. It will not help that much uh, because the infrastructure program that he's talking about uh, is going to be a long term effort. Uh, It's nothing that's going to start uh, this quarter or even uh, possibly this year. I think this bill is going to debate it a long time Uh, in Congress. There's going to be a lot of changes made. And we probably won't see anything happening uh, from this legislation until next year. And even then, many of the projects that he's talking about are going to be spread out over several years. Uh, so this is not a near-term stimulus package. This is truly long-term investment that, that he's talking about. It will bring long-term gains if he can get the package through Congress, but nothing near-term in order to give the economy a push uh, over the next couple of quarters.
0: The, um, okay, let, let's just... Park that for a moment here and just talk about the, um, the level of debt at the federal level that we have. Clearly, uh, the president um, has taken advice and is focusing on the tax necessary to help support this plan, but also to meet current funding needs. Is there any reason to be concerned about the level of debt in the federal budget at this stage? Is it having an impact on the Treasury curve?
1: Uh, Right now, I don't think it's having that much of of, of an impact. The Treasury has not had any trouble funding the deficit that it's looking at so far. And the attitude in Washington has been that the debt is not a problem at, at this time. Personally, uh, I think it is a concern uh, because interest rates uh, probably will not be at current levels indefinitely into the future. At some point, they're going to have to begin refinancing the debt that they're issuing now uh, at higher interest rates. and I, I think that will create quite a burden uh, on the federal budget, and I think it's going to have implications uh, for the, uh, the economy and financial markets.
2: Holding the conservative arm of the Democratic um, Party in check is going to be very interesting. I was obviously straight away, like everyone, I go straight to see what Mr. Manchin in West Virginia uh, thinks about this kind of thing. And and he seems to be a big supporter of corporate taxation, of course, rather than increasing debt. Does that mean actually that the president can corral uh, in both houses the U.S. Democratic Party to pass this? And even if you say on an elevated timescale?
1: Yeah, Manchin's an interesting guy. He has supported uh, heavy infrastructure spending and I suspect to be willing to to tax corporations in, in order to pay for it. Uh, but there are other moderate Democrats, I think, that will, will have some concern uh, about the uh, the deficit, and he, he might have a little trouble getting this through. I think there's going to be a lot of debate and changes to this legislation. Something else that's interesting and, and might get some resistance from Democrats is the nature of the spending. Uh, there's a lot of things in there that are not your traditional infrastructure spending, uh, such as the, uh, the support for housing. Uh, he's talking about boosting uh, healthcare services for in-home health care. He's doing job training programs. Uh, these are not your traditional infrastructure uh, spending. And, and some moderate Democrats might say, let's stick to traditional infrastructure, especially when the nation needs so much uh, along these lines.
2: Michael, I can't help thinking that some of those things were put in in order so they can be shed at a later date, a bit like the federal minimum salary of 15 bucks. It was a casualty, but I wonder if it was put in there so that they, the government could give something back uh, in order to get this through. But in terms of the time frame as well, I mean, a lot of Americans and uh, often criticize the fact that we're always in an electoral cycle. In fact, I was speaking to one of the, the big, big CNBC bosses in the States uh, about this the other day. and He said, well, we're probably 100 days away before the start of the midterms. It's quite extraordinary that a problem
1: uh, you know, I think it is a little bit of an issue. I, I think that's something that increases the partisanship uh, in, in Congress. Uh, you know, I agree completely that you're almost always in, in, in an election cycle. In fact, there's even mention every now and then of possible uh, Republican presidential candidates in, in in the next presidential election. And Biden was asked uh, last week about whether he's intending to run again in the next presidential election. So we're very much in, in that mode. Uh, politicians are always thinking ahead of the next election when they're looking at various legislative efforts.
0: Michael, let's just move you on to the quarter that we've witnessed then. Um, in spite of uh, some of the nervousness around the progress on the pandemic, um, the markets have decided that the reflation trade is for real uh, for later in the year, and they're already moving to price that in. Any Any concerns at this stage that maybe they've run too early, given how unpredictable this pandemic has been?
1: Uh, you know, I, don't, I don't think so. The, the reason uh, the market is up is, and the reason the outlook for the economy is so positive is that we have a tremendous amount of stimulus uh, in the pipeline. Uh, Congress just passed $900 billion in, in December. They did $1.9 trillion uh, in March. In addition to that, uh, there's still a lot of, I would say, residual stimulus uh, from the so-called CARES Act that they, they passed a, a year ago. Uh, the CARES Act put a lot of support uh, to the household sector, but much of that support was saved rather than spent immediately. So there's that backlog of saving from last year. In addition to the $900 billion in December and the $1.9 trillion uh, in March, uh, there's just this tremendous fiscal push coming to the economy. Uh, I think we're going to have a very strong performance over the balance of the year.
2: What goes with the interest rate on the 10-year, Michael? Everyone seems very obsessed about it. I'm sure everyone's asking, is there a tipping point at which the Federal Reserve has to say enough is enough? I mean, they're challenging 175, 180 at the moment. Is it 2%? Is there a level you've got in mind where you think that this is where the Fed says, no, we'll we'll have to keep this down?
1: Uh, You know, I'm suspecting no. I I think the Fed uh, will will give some ground and and understand that uh, you you have to to price debt at its equilibrium level. And if you have this degree of fiscal stimulus in place, uh, your equilibrium interest rates are going to be higher than they are now. And and the Fed cannot resist uh, upward pressure on what would be your equilibrium interest rates. That's your classic formula for generating inflation uh, in the economy, especially because uh, we, we are making good progress in the labor market. We're going to be closer to full employment uh, near the end of the year. And, and I, I think the Fed will not be resisting that. Uh, I'm looking for the Fed to keep its, its quantitative easing program right where it is uh, and then to scale it back uh, beginning next year.
0: Michael, real pleasure catching up with you. Uh, my, my colleague informs me it's probably about a quarter past one where you are at the moment. Uh, so thank you for staying up for us or for getting up early for us and enjoy the nightcap or the first drink of the day, depending on which you're engaged in. Michael Moran, the chief economist at Daiwa Capital Markets. Steve one's like us, Jeffrey. <laughs> What's up? Well, not everyone has a drink before they go to
2: bed or something, you know.
0: Um, do you not have a cocoa? A little bit of warm milk? Uh, no. For more on the upcoming debate in Washington over Biden's new spending plan, head to our website, that's cnbc.com. Is it, are you more of a little a little toddy of whiskey just no. before you go?
2: <laughs> Me, during the week? I'd never get up. <laughs> I don't know if I'd never sleep and then never wake up. I don't know which way it is, but no. Yeah. no. I'm, I'm, as you know, I'm, I'm, not quite, I'm not very good on that front. Uh, right, OK, let's have a look at the US markets. Um, again, you know... Um, um, dare I say it, there was a company that may or may not have had an IPO, the worst in history pretty much, on the London market. Yes, they're one of them that was blaming the volatile markets, or, or will be. Um, Dow was down 0.26 of 1%. S&P was up 0.36. Surely surely, technology stocks were down in the US. That might have been added to the catalyst of why uh, a tech stock in the UK had such an appalling I No, no, it was up 1.5%. Oh, the excuses. That's another story. We'll come to it. All right, US Markets Week today. Let's have a quick look at those and where they've traded. Again, oh, look, God, look at the volatility on the S&P week today. No wonder it was tough. 0.041% down. And NASDAQ week was uh, up 8.2%. I do want to show you the quarter today. I'll stop mucking around, actually, and and, and all those silly jokes I'm making. Uh, look, this is the quarter to date, which is also the year to date, of course, because we've had one quarter. Even I can work that one out. Uh, Dow is up 8% (laughs) and the director 5.8% for the S&P 500. NASDAQ up 2.8%. Before we move on, though, uh, and and I know Jeff's really interested in this as well, but he hasn't got a chance to talk about it at this moment because it's me. Uh, 12.4% higher is the Russell 2K. uh, And the transports, Even better, Jeff, I don't know if you saw that number, 17% Mm. higher as well. Mm. So the R2K and the transport, absolutely Mm. knocking it out of the park in the quarter. You have got a chance to talk, actually, I'm told. What is there
0: not to like about a, uh, I think, as Michael pointed out here, what is there not to like if you are in the transports about a new stimulus programme that is aimed at improvement of uh, American highways and rail
2: infrastructure? COVID. Now, I know that's what's not to lie. And I don't mean to be a, a, a downer on this one as well, but I agree with you about what you were saying looking forward. I'm just looking at where we are here and now. And despite the really great success, actually, that the US authorities, and whether they're the health authorities or the administration or on a state by state basis or whatever way you want to put it, it is very successful, the rollout of the vaccine at the moment, but it's still taking time. And again, have we been running before we can walk on this crisis as well, is my only point. I think the markets have decided it's not a a not not a factor. Anymore. I, well, mean, I if think you've got to be very the careful about on, that.
0: Well, yes, I agree with you, but um, it, it seems if you read any of the commentaries at the moment, they've largely X'd out the pandemic as a risk factor at this stage, it seems to me. We are much more focused on the sunny uplands of the reflation growth trade than we are
2: right. on being concerned about so Mexico, a pick pickup in the. Horrendous pandemic. increase in the figures in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Brazil, horrendous increase, political instability there. Europe, Macron's going back into lockdown. Germany, CDU's in a lot of trouble. Britain is making big progress, but who knows how this goes going forward as well. There are large countries, India, in this world that are still having huge problems with it. As much as I appreciate the US as a an economy which can service itself in many ways. No country is an island, if if I can mix my metaphors as well, and the global economy can still affect what's going on in the US as well. Uh, Let's have a look at the tech. I'm not saying that it's my base case scenario that I'm gloomy. I'm just trying to add a caveat to the ebullience at the moment. Uh, Here we go, across the board. That's strange, isn't it? Technology stocks were rallying yesterday, and yet there was one big one in London. Anyway, I'll talk to that another time. 2.26% higher uh, Facebook in session as well. Uh, Where's Amazon? Oh, here it is. There you go. Despite the fact that... um, Mr. Biden, the president, uh, singling out Amazon there. Still, the the shares uh, 3094 at the close, up 1.3%. So coming up on this wonderful show, OPEC strikes a cautious tone on demand ahead of a policy meeting later today. We will have analysis next. OPEC Plus has lowered demand forecasts for this year by around 300,000 barrels of oil per day. The Group's Joint Technical Committee made the forecast ahead of a ministerial meeting of the oil producing nations today, where they will decide on the policy output. Well, Dan spoke to the CEO of Saudi Aramco and he joins us now from Cairo. Uh, and Dan, before you get to your magnificent interview, I love where you're standing. I've stood there before. It is one of the best places in the world to do uh, an outside broadcast from. And, and did you know that if your cameraman focuses really hard, he can see the pyramids from there?
4: Yeah, that's exactly right, Stephen. I know you can hear the horns behind me as well. The city of Cairo coming to life the hot mess on the banks of the River Nile and the sun just coming up here, it's absolutely glorious. Good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. Of course, we're following this OPEC meeting really, really closely. I think to understand what could happen here, you need to look at the commentary coming into it. And first, take a look at what the OPEC Secretary-General Mohammed Barkindo said just coming into this meeting. He's saying the outlook remains uh, uncertain and the situation is still very challenging in the market. That, of course, comes after we saw OPEC moving to downgrade its 2021 demand forecast by about 300,000 barrels, as you mentioned, Steve. So That is clearly hanging over the top of these producers as they get together to discuss the market outlook for the month of May. At the same time, top OPEC watchers like RBC's Halima Croft saying that what we could see is Saudi Arabia deciding to keep that unilateral 1 million barrel per day production curb intact, while also perhaps offering exemptions to countries like Russia and Kazakhstan to pump more oil as it has done in the past. And then the third piece of commentary that I'm looking at this morning is a research note that's out from ANZ. They say that, look, while we have seen a recovery in the oil market, We could actually see an acceleration in demand through the second quarter, and that would lead to a reduction in inventories, which might give some of these producers maybe more pause for thought when it comes to extending these production curbs. However, we're told to expect the unexpected. Uh, We know the Saudi energy minister has long said that anything could happen at these meetings, but most of the analysts are saying we will see a rollover of the production curbs. Now, I had the opportunity to speak with Aman Nasser, the CEO of the world's largest oil company to get some insights into how he's feeling about the recovery that we're seeing in oil demand. He told me in an exclusive interview just yesterday that he's still optimistic about oil's recovery trajectory. Listen.
3: 2020 is a good year where we had to go through uh, oil prices, uh, significant uh, reduction in oil prices. We had to go through COVID-19. We had to go through the acquisition of uh, SABIC, And with that, we were able to uh, declare uh, dividend payment to our investors as uh, planned, with no uh, impact on our uh, investors. So the company has, as I said, a strong uh, balance sheets. It has; uh, it's one of the lowest cost producers in the world, and uh, it's very capable to uh, execute. Uh, mega projects and giga projects uh, while continue also to meet the expectation of its shareholders
4: amanasah just speaking to me yesterday now of course the first quarter is still going to be remembered i guess as a recovery story for oil What's in store for the second quarter? That remains to be seen. I think one of the key things that characterised the first quarter in the oil market was the volatility that we saw. First of all, attacks on Aramco facilities, which threatened global supply, that was one issue. But the other issue, more recently, and the reason I'm in Cairo, has been the blockage in the Suez Canal with the Ever Given now being set free. That caused a temporary spike in oil prices. News that the ship has become unstuck, of course, helping to helping to. Help uh, push prices back down to uh, more normalised levels. So. The second quarter certainly going to be interesting to watch in the oil market, guys. And today's OPEC meeting will largely determine what's, ha- what's going to happen to prices moving forward.
2: Yeah, I having haven't, haven't been in Egypt a few times, Dan, I, I, I can imagine the way the country is run as well. The president was absolutely incandescent uh, at the failure to get the blockage done a bit quicker as well. In fact, you know, we, that's the kind of message we got as well. But it's up and running now. And, and how much longer have we got of backlog of those ships? I know a couple of days ago we had 422 backlog, wasn't it?
4: Yeah, that's right. So 422 ships held up while the Ever Given was jackknifed in the Suez Canal. We learned this morning that the head of the Suez Canal Authority spoke to local media just last night. He says there's about 150 ships plus that still need to traverse the Suez Canal, but they are making great progress when it comes to getting those ships through in order to ensure that global supply chains can be restored. At the same time, what we've also learned is that an investigation into exactly what happened is still progressing. The SEA saying that it's looking at a black box-like device which was installed on the Evergiven. That's going to give them some information about the parameters of the ship what the equipment on board was doing at the time and exactly what the staff was saying as well. So that should give them some insights into uh, how the ship came to be stuck in the first place. And the other interesting thing I'll leave you with is a new debate now happening in Egypt about who's going to pay for all of this and how the Egyptian government is going to be compensated. The head of the SEA also saying that he believes about a billion dollars should be right. That's what he wants the ship operator to pay the Egyptian government for this recovery job. He's saying, look, we had 800 people on the ground working around the clock to get that ship unstuck, and now the government expects to be compensated. And if they're not able to compensate, well, maybe they won't be getting the ship back. That was the threat that we heard coming from the
2: SCA over the past few hours. Back to you. Lovely work and lovely location. Nice work, Dan. Thanks very much. You, you, you and I do a hit, as does well, current for MSNBC every yes. day. Well, we, we do... Um, I know we've got to move on, but... And inject into our US programme. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we just do a little bit of business news for them uh, yeah. after we've done this show. Mm. Uh, and my stories today, again, it's actually relevant mm. to what Dan was saying. Mm. Uh, and I've got... They've given me some Bloomberg copy and USA mm. Today copy as well. And basically saying, toilet paper is the next likely victim of the world's container crisis. The CEO of the largest pulp exporter, Susano. Again, this is a... a, a A Bloomberg story, warns Mm. of export delays, container squeezes spilling over into break bulk shipping. Wow. Cut a long story short, toilet roll, uh, prices going up. And then Kimberly Clark uh, is basically talking about toilet paper shortages and now price increases because the raw materials in commodities are going up as well. That, ladies and gentlemen, is real inflation. Well, isn't that ironic since we've been talking about constipation in the Suez Canal
0: and a blockage that was difficult It's too early for this. Back to you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's what I love about you. Your ability to segue Uh is quite phenomenal. It's legendary,
0: actually, in business circles. Is that right? I can can take us places that we really don't want to go. Well, and I say, uh, there
2: are other business channels out there, I'm told, but none of them cover constipation and toilet roll the way we do.